personal as political. Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Show on Radio for Brooklyn. Hello? 
Welcome to the What is Love show on Radio for Brooklyn. Uh, I'm your host, VJR Nathan. I'm subbing for Sasha Sugar, uh, who's away. So today's guest is Dr. Julissa Hernandez. Dr. Julissa has been recognized as a prolific writer, known for a blunt, direct, and raw blog website, drjulissa.com, featuring articles focused on numerous health challenges and the natural solution to help the body heal itself. A long-awaited first book, The Naturopathic Approach to Fertility, is available online in both English and Spanish editions, well as, a, as well as an audiobook on Audible. She's a board-certified naturopathic doctor and holistic iridologist. Uh, she founded a natural health uh, center in New York City as her home office to consult with patients and clients. Dr. Joseph was awarded, recognized, and still as the youngest recipients to date of the Ed Brashaw uh, Spirit of Sharing Award, twice awarded. Um, and uh, yeah, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, VJ, for having me. I'm humbled and honored to be here. Thanks again. Thank you, thank you. Um, so yeah, let's start the conversation off about uh, love and health and how these things are, are intimately related. Um, you know, a lot of times we think about the, the tensions and stresses that affect our health and how that can affect the loving relationships. So let's go a little bit into that, yeah. When, so. what you mean uh, in, in the sense of uh, maybe holding on to certain emotions that can block that true uh, opening up to love? With yeah, them? exactly, exactly, yeah. So we, I know in one of your uh, chapters in your book, uh, The uh, Guide to Fertility, Naturopathic Guide to Fertility, you talk about how uh, emotions and, and feelings can affect your health and affect specifically in regards to uh, fertility, but, you know, in generally, you know, how, how we understand these emotions to affect our health. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. A wonderful question. Well, this show is What is Love? And when we look at so many uh, miracles that we've seen of healing uh, in the healing arts in general, we've seen that love is a big part of also helping people heal. Now, if there are blockages there of certain emotions one may hold on to, I'm just going to grab one, for example, that I uh, definitely talk about in my book, which is, for example, anger. Right? And we know in Chinese medicine that anger is one of those emotions that directly actually affects the liver, the health of the liver. So think of people that have, for example, cirrhosis or uh, challenges of the liver, hormonal imbalances, all of this really related to that main organ. When we have and are holding on with too much fervor, we're human. We're going to feel negative emotions, yes. But the point is not to hold on to them with so much fervor that we allow it to then affect the body physically. The best way that I can help people understand how really, truly emotions affect the body is in the following uh, very humorous example. But think of how when a person gets frightened, they may sweat profusely or even may urinate on themselves, right? Yeah. So emotions come first, and the physical reaction came later, if you notice there. And 95% of what Chinese medicine teaches us is that disease is 95% the root cause of, I mean, uh, emotions, I'm sorry, are 95% the root cause of uh, disease. So all, that, all of that does block love among us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like the, all the emotions, the hormones, and, the, and all the chemicals that produce these loving feelings, you know, are blocked and, and we're not able to uh, really uh, express the, the, the um, you know, on the physical level, we're not able to express ourselves properly. Yeah, the stress and all that causes that. 
Yeah, so I just want to put a request out for call-ins. If anyone wants to call in to talk about health and love issues, please call 718-928-9732, and we'll continue the conversation. We'll uh, take your call if you want to call 718-928-9732. So meanwhile, uh, yeah, let's go into um, kind of uh, the hormones and stuff and things like that, and, and, and swiftly and rise. We can go into fertility and things, mm -hmm. and how for those uh, uh, looking to... Um, have a child and having a loving relationship so we can go into that yeah mm -hmm. go ahead yeah perfect so uh, another uh, aspect that a lot of people don't take into account and i know that my book is is focused on really uh helping any single even man or woman or any couple that really wants to be healthy reproductive system wise together when we look at uh the reproductive system and the health of it and we look also back to what Chinese medicine teaches us. The kidneys, what a lot of people don't know, is actually the residence of the loins, as it is taught to us. So we know that in Chinese medicine that fear is the underlying emotion that literally takes the life out of the kidney. So if I'm working with a uh, man who is having challenges with everything from impotence to uh, erectile dysfunction to even challenges of even, let's say, low sperm count, to then a woman who has everything from uterine fibroids to endometriosis to uh, infertility. The kidneys are going to be my main focus there, and I'm going to ask, what is the underlying fear that you may have? If I'm seeing challenges of the left kidney, I know that it may deal with female figures and anything related to emotional love and family relationships. When we look at the right side of the body, because there are reasons why things happen on certain sides of the body, if I'm looking at the right, I'm going to ask then, what is the, the underlying fear you're holding on with regards to a male figure and things concerning financial matters, business relationships, educational matters, career matters, work issues? So we're able to pinpoint first where the issue started stirring up within the body that happened to bring about the physical challenge later. Yeah, yeah. very interesting, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Why don't we take a step back also to talk about your own journey uh, into this and how you, um, how you came into... Um, this field and, and a little bit about your own journey and personal journey where you were born and stuff like that and, and how you got into this field yeah oh i don't is does anybody really want to know about that yeah, but yeah, okay thank you thank you first of all my mission is to do everything in my power to help the people that come across um, me to heal and to be well yeah. and i feel that i truly found my calling when i saw my mother while I was still in middle school, transitioning into high school, helping others with herbs. I was born in the Bronx. I'm the Dominican J-Lo version. <laughs> She's the Puerto Rican J-Lo yeah. version, um, honored to say. So um, uh, born in the Bronx, uh, first generation, uh, born here of Dominican parents. And my mother started to help people to heal with just herbs a, a natural supplement company the first company to ever encapsule herbs and she was helping people and i significantly remember this one lady who came in to see her so ecstatic because her hot flashes were gone uh. <laughs> and just it's not just the fact that her hot flashes were gone and i was i was a teenager but i just saw the joy and the happiness and the thankfulness and the gratefulness and the appreciation in her face when she was telling my mom how much better she was feeling, how she was feeling that she could now handle, uh, you know, life with her husband because she, and this was all in Spanish. So it was like, you know, it was, it was yeah. very funny to listen to, but she, she was able to not just 
bite her husband's head off the way she was explaining to my mother. And I said, I want to do that. Yeah. Mind you. So that was my, my feeling and my thought. Then I got fascinated with herbs. I got my parents. I was, I'm a geek and I'm a nerd. And my parents got me, uh, you know, the Britannic Encyclopedia. Remember that before yeah. Uncle Google was born. Uh. <laughs> so I, um, I started to research herbs and things like chamomile and things like blessed thistle and things like that, um, alfalfa and so on. I was fascinated by the fact that plants could do this. And first of all, there wasn't really a lot of money for us to heal ourselves with all kinds of medications and so on. So herbs was really the way to go. And um, while I was still in high school, uh, being the geek that I am, but my mom actually wanted to start um, doing the studies to begin her doctorate as a naturopathic doctor. And she didn't want to go to school in this country by her, like alone. She said, you're coming with me. So while I was still in high school, I began my studies as a certified natural health professional. We both graduated together. I ended high school, went to NYU, began my general studies there, but knew that this is what I wanted to do, and then went right into my ND program, and I've been in practice uh, since May 1, 1995. Excellent, excellent. Thank and you. there was a word I almost stumbled over, <laughs> iridologist. Um, yeah. I hadn't heard about that. So tell us a little bit about what that is and, and how that informs your naturopathic uh, practice yeah okay so um holistic iridologist first let me break down the holistic part where i i really truly bring in um focusing on helping my patients heal as a whole so mental emotional physical uh and of course because i'm a, a spiritual woman and and do practice taoist practices and some uh, buddhist practices as well i do bring in the spiritual aspect so that's the holistic part uh, the uh, iridologist is that I love to be um, a master of at least one field, even though naturopathy encompasses many uh, aspects. So iridology is the study of um, studying the iris of the eye. The you know, If your eyes are green, it's the green ball. If your eyes are brown, the little brown ball in your eyes. So really studying that to find deficiencies within the body. And it's centuries, a study that's centuries uh, old. And I also encompass Chinese medicine with that. Excellent, excellent. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of some of the case studies or some things that you've been able to help and some stories that you might have about, uh, I know in the book you spotlight a few interesting case studies and such, and it's interesting to talk about how some of these things play out and, and people can still call in with their own questions and comments, again, uh, at the number 718-928-9732. But until we get that, why don't we go into some examples of how uh, your practice has helped people, yeah. Oh, thank you. Um... So I, I feel it's, it's a true blessing that to have uh, our creator work through me in, in helping people to um, achieve that baby that they so desire. It's not the only thing I do in my practice. I treat everything from helping them fall into the womb uh, and, and on. So, but uh, I was asked to write my book on uh, reproductive system health and and uh, fertility, because as of today, although that can change at any moment, but I pray that it does not and that I continue to help others in this way, I still have a 100% success rate helping couples conceive, and that's such a blessing. So um, <clears throat> I can say that one of the most uh, significant stories um, is a couple that, and, and this I've found often, that a couple can be on the same page wanting have that child that they so desire, uh, feeling frustrated, 
and saddened because they still haven't been able to conceive that baby, whether they've been trying for a year or two years. And they can both be on the same page to and knowing that they both truly love each other, that they know that they only want to have a child with each other. But then there can be the disconnect of underlying resentments, unresolved forgiveness, and fear, and so on. So um, a, one case I can tell you about is a gentleman that after having them both in the office, examining them both, and so on and so forth, I, I find that there are um, challenges there of, of kidneys as well, the kidneys there. So I'm, I'm asking, and I see mainly left kidney, and I ask him, who is or who are the female figures that you're having underlying unresolved forgiveness challenges with and underlying fear challenges with? And he looks over to his left, and he looks at his wife, and then I know that it must be that and her. And so I say, you both decided to be in here together. Most times I usually consult them separately and then bring them together. But that, that couple actually wanted to come in together to start their consults together. And I said to him, I need you to feel completely free and open to share with me whatever it is you need to share with me and you have to be able to answer me completely and openly. So he says that he felt resentments towards um, nasty things that his wife had said to him in the past, belittling him as a man, and he went on to say a few things, and she knew that she wasn't able to speak, that whenever each of them speak, they're not able to interrupt, and so on and so forth, and after he was done, and, and so on, I, you know, she had no idea, um, but I have to walk them through the process of how to, for example, even forgive, because her gynecologist told her there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get pregnant. He had done certain work and, and blood work to find out his sperm count. His sperm count was great. It was well over 10 million. Uh, and there was really no reason that her, their doctors, his urologist and her gynecologist saw that of why they couldn't conceive. This is the type of wall that I have to help patients sometimes break down and to dissolve so that they can feel open enough. And we're here talking about love mm. so that they feel open and lovingly, completely open to embrace each other, and he can forgive her and let things go. So I walk them in my book. They're able to see there's a certain process that I was taught well over 26 years ago when I began my studies in naturopathic medicine that we can use as a tool to help patients overcome negative emotions that we know are affecting them physically that block love. Okay, So I walked them through that. They were able to do that. Two months later, they're pregnant. So, you know, that, and this was maybe about seven, seven, eight years ago now. So it's, it's a beautiful process when you're able to find out that it's not just always on the physical. Sadly enough, when, when people are dealing with a lot of their physical challenges, not only talking about fertility, but um, they only focus on the physical. And so much of it sometimes has to do with really what is going on in our subconscious. The mind dominates the physical. We know that. And we really have to try to break down and see where it's coming from, that emotional root cause. Yeah, it seems like the mind and what we perceive as the mind and the body are very intimately connected. You know, uh, it's difficult. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of philosophical people seem to separate them, but they, they're very intimately connected and they're very um, basis in each other. And we were talking a little bit about stress and how and we're talking a little bit about stress and how daily stresses and, and, and pressures and, and, and things like that can affect the body and can disrupt the harmony of the body. Um, 
So go a little more into that and how we can combat that, the solutions or pathways to, you know, there's always a, a cleansing process and every day we have to kind of keep those stresses at bay and, and connect with our source. So maybe finding pathways we can talk about, finding pathways for solutions to these problems, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. so if you have a little bit more about, um, you know, just for the general advice for people who are having, you know, daily stresses and such and how they're able to uh, keep those stresses at bay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I uh, I actually wrote an article on the good and the bad of stress, yeah. and and we can use stress as a motivational tool at times. And I'm sure that some of you can actually understand that. You know, when you're against the wall, uh, a rock in a hard place, and you know you have to finish the deadline on something quickly, that can be a motivating tool. But mm -hmm. if we really don't learn how to exactly, as you said, really work with stress, it can most definitely be detrimental to us. So my first tip would be we really have to take into account what we're bringing into our bodies and i'm about to hurt a few people with this one are you ready for me yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god i know i have a ton of coffee lovers listening right now yeah. <laughs> but if you already know that you are very sensitive to stress if you know that you are dealing with disease right now if you know that your emotional well-being is not well, then don't bring stimulants into the body to mm -hmm. aggravate the nervous system further. Yeah. Okay? So there, what we understand, and, and really, here we go, the, in naturopathic medicine, we think the only good use for that beautiful thing that, yes, the coffee bean is something nature has given us mm -hmm. great, but really... We find that the best reason to use it is as an enema for a liver cleanse. <laughs> That's yeah. the best use for coffee. But if we go back and, and really look, you know, it's a stimulant. That's a toxic cough, uh, caffeine substance when you ingest it uh, orally. So um, uh, for chronic fatigue, great. Do a liver cleanse by doing a coffee enema. Amazing. You will feel an amazing surge of energy. But... If you're stressed, you can't deal with stress as well. Uh, reduce that coffee, sodas. Uh, my God, those huge monster drink things yeah. that they sell at gas stations and so on. In the summer, I feel frightened when I go and get gas and I see teenagers walking out with these huge, you know, monster-like cans. And we already know that that's one of those contributors of stressing the adrenal glands, the two little glands sitting on top of the kidneys, and is uh, in studies now showing one of the reasons why so many teenagers are on depression medication, because they take so much of this five-hour monster drink stuff mm. that alters their stress. So that's one. Um, a good uh, substitute for things like that. And if you need a, a slight energetic boost, do it in a healthier manner. Things like green tea, I love to give my patients every time they come into the office uh, a cup of guarana tea that they enjoy with me during the consult. You know, and that's a Brazilian herb that's wonderful for energy. So take away toxic, um, you know, caffeine-like substances that are going to alter your nervous system. And you'll be able to deal with stresses better. Another thing is I love herbs. You know, they're, they're food. They're nature's way of also giving us medicine to help us heal ourselves. So I love things like passion flowers. I love things like, um, you know, chamomile, but keep in mind that can increase hunger. For those of you out there that want to lose weight, be careful with the chamomile. And then uh, I wrote an article on my favorite herb of all time. This is one I actually wrote an essay on for my board exam. 
and Damiana. You can also find that article on my website. Uh, and Damiana is my favorite herb of all time because it's wonderful. Such a mild nerve tonic used by the Mayans and Aztecs for, uh, you know, back in, in their days. And um, it's uh, also a lovely aphrodisiac <laughs> for men and women that I also talk about in my book. So I love that herb as well. And it, it will help you cope with stresses better. You just feel more calm. You feel more grounded. That's what I've heard time and time again from my patients when I give them that. So uh, there's some tips there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Just once again, this is Radio Free Brooklyn, the What Is Love show. Uh, in the beginning of the episode, we listened to a song, uh, Poor, by Caitlin Lister, just to um, uh, inform people about the song we listened to in the beginning. Uh, and they can um, find out more of that. Caitlin Lister Music is on Sound uh, SoundCloud. Um, we're here speaking with Dr. Lisa Hernandez about um, love and health and how, um, you know, different uh, aspects of uh, how love can affect your health and how love loving blocks to love and blocks to um, experiencing true love in relationships. So, uh, and people can call in with their questions or case studies at 718-928-9732. So, yeah, so... What else is coming up for you as far as like, you know, really fostering that sense of healing? We're talking about healing and and um, talking about how we want to foster loving relationships, foster like when we when we're in the, really in that zone, you know, it's going the flip side, going the positive side. We're in that zone. What's going on in the body when we feel like we're having loving feelings and we're having we're, 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 we're talking a lot about stresses and how stress can affect the body. But what is the positive value of having love in our life and how can that improve our uh, physical well-being. Yeah, you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, when we are, let me just uh, give another example of, um, uh, let's say, someone out there has challenges the thyroid gland. I'm sure yeah. you know some people that. So, some people are sometimes told that they have a nodule on their thyroid, a growth, a slight, slight growth. What we know is that, for example, the emotion related to the thyroid is anger. However, with that, different from the liver that I mentioned before, which is deep-seated rage that mm. affects that organ, with the thyroid, it's verbal anger. So I know that if I'm seeing a patient with those issues, that that patient is one of two extremes or both. One extreme is that they choke themselves and they don't verbally express uh, emotion and let's say feelings of love and so on or they're the other extreme they're a yeller a screamer they use foul language raise their voice and so on or they're both at times so i want you to think of that nodule as a build up of anger mm. right so when what i've noticed is that when i go to the uh, cause well what is it that ticks you off so much who are you yelling at who are you raising your voice at in your life oh it's my son i can't handle what you know are all the bad choices he's making such and such and i'm hearing you know the patient telling me this and then i have to walk them through letting go of that negative emotion writing their son a letter stating all of their feelings and so on and then you can see and i've done this time and time again with my own family members let's shrink that nodule and so they shrink and so that that's one way that by opening up to being more loving letting go of deep-seated emotion how the body can heal and, and things can shrink and start to dissolve and disappear and so on. So that's just, you know, one example of so many, right? Yeah, yeah. And also having those, you know, I feel like there's like a little bit of a, you know, not euphoria, but a little bit of a blissful feeling when we have these loving feelings and such. And a lot of people have been 
you know, in all forms, in all ways in which we're in loving relationships, we have that kind of um, euphoria and such and things like that. It's, what's going on in the body there? Or what's going on in the body in, in loving relationships? I know this. I just have the rudimentary understanding of like mm-hmm. dopamine and all this kind of thing and all these different mm-hmm. hormones and stuff are active and we're able to experience kind of this blissful feeling. But mm-hmm. if you could go a little bit into that as well, yeah. Sure. The yeah. immune system. system. Absolutely. Good, good. A wonderful, wonderful analogy. The immune system becomes so much stronger. You're yeah. able to prevent disease further. You'll notice that people in workspaces, you know, like we were talking about co-working spaces and that a moment ago, uh, that people who are more depressed, who are dealing with sadness, melancholy, and so on and so forth, are being, always get sicker than those that come in happier, that say hello to everybody on a daily basis and are more joyful. Absolutely, that euphoria, feeling happy. But remember, it's your choice, everyone. And you're a spiritual man, a Buddhist, and you can understand that really it is our choice, right? to choose to be joyful, to twist every situation and not always look at it from the negative. You know, one of the things that I tell patients if they're coming into me and I'm helping them with even um, a very detrimental chronic disease, you're not allowed to watch the news. I, that's uh-huh. part of my recommendation, really. And they're they're shocked. But you don't understand, Dr. Jalisa, I watch it every morning and uh-huh. as soon as I get home from work and that's part of the problem probably, yeah. you know. So not not allowing yourself to, to be subjected to so much negative energy but establish the positive energy within yourself opening up to love and we need to also realize if i may be jay that we need to forgive everyone no matter what it might be if someone flipped you off in traffic please bless them and release them (laughs) you know it's your choice to decide if you want the rest of your day to be miserable or if you decide no i am that valuable i'm practicing so much self-love i'm going to choose to be happy yeah, and I promise you that your health will follow suit. The body listens to what's happening in the mind. Yeah, it's so interesting how we become dependent upon uh, talking, kind of tracing back a little bit what you were saying before about how you know we we eat a candy or we drink a coffee or whatever it is, and we get a quick fix. We get a quick feeling of, of nice feelings, and we're like, oh, this is this is, but it's not long standing. It's not sustainable, mm-hmm. is which I think what I'm hearing you say and. What we want to do is be able to find a sustainable peace, sustainable happiness, sustainable kind of loving feelings, love in our life that we have, we can kind of fa- we can put, give a foundation for, so that we're not reliant upon these quick fixes, and the body is not sustainable for the body. You know, Agreed. yeah. So if you can expand a little bit more on like how um, how we can kind of overcome addictions or something, or something a little bit of into that, like how we can overcome these kind of people who are coffee addicted or something like that. Or, <laughs> whatever it is, um, you know, how, what are pathways they can kind of find a more, you were talking about some of the other um, alternatives to mm-hmm. coffee and it's kind of maybe a pathway for them to realize this and, and, and come to that. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. So gentlemen out there, I'm going yeah. to get a, do we have, is everyone listening over 18? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just making yeah. sure. Cause I get a little bit yeah. raw in, yeah. in my conversation. So uh, if I'm training a gentleman with a cyst on the testicle, yeah. Okay. Treating a, a lady with uh, cysts of the ovaries, uterine fibroids. Okay. We're talking about a build up on the reproductive system. Okay. We know that certain toxic substances can feed those abnormal cell presences and make them grow. So one of the reasons why you want to discontinue them is that we don't want to feed the problem. Another reason, uh, if I'm treating that couple that has challenges with uh, fertility, we know that 
couples that intake 25 milligrams or more of coffee per day are twice as likely to suffer from delayed conception. They can't get pregnant as easily. So uh, substitutions for that, of course, I come across them all the time. The people are addicted to those substances. They're stressed out, more stressed out because that's what they need. And it's exactly what you said. Once they've ingested it and the effect goes away, it's a downer. Okay? They feel worse than they did before they had it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I get the complaint that I can't stop drinking coffee, Dr. Julissa, because I get migraines, right? Mm-hmm. Or I start to get dizzy or whatever I've always heard and, and so on and so forth. So at the same time, this here's the suggestion, at the same time every day that you're used to drinking that cup of coffee or drinking that can of soda, because usually it's a clockwork thing. Mm-hmm. It's usually happening at the same time every day almost, right? They are uh, recommended to drink, for example, another natural, healthier caffeine substance, let's say green tea, and I'm going to use this because it's an anti-carcinogen. It actually helps to kill cancer cells. Why not? Let's do this. And you can sweeten it with a little bit of honey if that's your desire. Add a little bit of lemon. Okay, fine. But drink it at the same time every day that you're used to drinking the coffee. And I promise you, you won't go through that withdrawal, right? Mm -hmm. So that's just one. Plus, another thing is green tea makes you feel more joyous. It's It's an herb. Again, think of that. It's a food. And it really is a healthy, a non-toxic sort of caffeine. So that's just, for example, one suggestion. I mentioned the guarana herb, which is a Brazilian herb. that is very delicious and is also wonderful for uh, helping with energy and, and so on. And that way you're not feeling like you're stressing your body out more. People feel jittery and so on on the other toxic substances. Let's have something that's going to make the body feel calm but energized at the same time. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. So um, let's see. Um, yeah, so it's very interesting to think about kind of how, um, you know, trying to find also the, the way the body works on the clock and how, you know, we, we're used to our morning fix of, of caffeine or afternoon fix of caffeine and being able to disrupt that clock mm-hmm. so that then we become, we kind of supplement it with something that's a little bit uh, more body friendly and a little bit more sustainable and we're able to then slowly, slowly, you know, work our way towards better habits and things like that. Yeah, it's, it's a very good um, insight. And I think that the, the clock thing is a, is a very good thing to think about. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so what else is coming up for you as far as, like, um, you know, uh, the uh, just to return back to the question about um, kind of the, the uh, dopamine and things like that and how this can – what is dopamine? How does that help you with your you know, health and, and all this kind of thing? I, I don't know too much about this, so, mm-hmm. like, are these – how these, um, you know, kind of, we think about, uh, I, always, I always hear people say that these things are connected to the dopamine levels in your body, mm-hmm. giving those good feelings and such. Can you talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we're in love, yeah. okay, the body just naturally, as far as studies shows, comes into a healthier state of being. Yeah. You know, we start recovering from colds or we start recovering from certain uh, issues, whether it's uh, itchy skin to everything uh, from, you know, joint achiness, you know. So, yes, everything from uh, correcting issues of estrogen dominance or low testosterone levels to, yes, what you're mentioning the dopamine as well. Feel good feelings. Is that yeah. is what you want to also bring in. Uh, and also uh, with our talk here about love, I mentioned a moment ago, uh, let's say the gentleman with the cyst uh, on the uh, testicle or the woman with the uh, uterine fibroids and so on. We know that within holistic medicine, the thought 
emotion that affects those areas and causes buildups of abnormal cells is, and I detailed this in my book, unconsciousness thought emotion. So the image I want you to have, for example, in your mind right now is, for example, of a man or woman who has drunk alcohol to the point that they're in a drunken stupor and they've passed out on the couch and the glass has rolled out of their hand. That's the image I want you to have right now. So I want you to think that that's someone that's actually numbing their feelings. They don't want to feel. They're blocking love, right? So what happens there is that when we have that wall up blocking our emotions, the body listens. Again, what's going on in the subconscious, the body listens, and it creates a wall of abnormal cells to prevent anyone from getting to the very you. And if I see that there are challenges of testes, challenges of reproductive system where cells, abnormal cells have grown, I ask them, who is it that you are blocking emotionally? Where you're afraid to get hurt again or you're afraid of someone getting too close because you don't feel the same way towards someone or some people the way you used to. Maybe even saying I care for you or I love you is hard, but it's as if they're pushing away and have that wall up preventing them from expressing emotion mm-hmm. where they maybe have wanted to say I love you, I care for you, and but they held back because they really don't want to show that person that they really care that much. That hurts you, not them. Mm-hmm. So I tell my patients, you need to bring that wall down. You deserve to feel that you can open up to whoever is in your life, that you can say I love you and express care and express your emotions positively to whoever is in your life. And they get it when I say that. They're a little shocked because they don't think that we can pinpoint things in that way that precisely. Um, But that's part of what is love. We need to do that and open up to that so that we can be healed and we can experience optimum health as well. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much. So eloquently put, and I think it was so beautiful how you're able to uh, distill, you know, and, 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 and this wisdom and this ideas about how, you know, what blocks us and, and what's, uh, what's, how to overcome those blocks and how, and how the result of that wall, that emotional wall, the psychological wall, can have deep impact on the body. Um, I do want to kind of, not to go back to the iridiologist thing, because I think it's so fascinating. I'm not quite sure if I understand how it plays out in, um, in, uh, practically and all that. So I just want to get a better sense of how the eye is the inlet into the soul or, or how examining the eye or examining, and you'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Sure, for yeah. sure. Uh, so I use a, um, uh, $5,500 camera oh, yeah. <laughs> to examine my patients. And I take digital images of their irides. And I want you to think that the left iris is literally like you're split in half. And I'm looking at everything happening on the left side of the body. Right iris, you're split in half. And I'm looking at everything happening on the right side of the body. So obviously not everything is even because you're, liver is on the right side and your spleen and pancreas are on the left. So it'll be uh, very different readings. Um, But really, they truly are the windows of what's happening in the physical and emotional uh, of the body. Uh, They are the windows of the soul. And for those of you that read scriptures, in St. Luke's, it says that the eyes are the lamps of the body. And when the eyes are in darkness, the body is also in darkness. Okay, And that's in St. Luke's. So Uh, really the way that studies of iridology and one of the most profound um, pioneers within iridology was Bernard Jensen, for any of you that have heard that name. Um, You know, it's, there's a map that we kind of follow and, and 
and look at when it comes to placing that map of the body itself within the reading of the iris. And I'm able to see also genetic, which is the most fascinating thing because I get a lot of patients that are, for example, adopted and they don't know what their family history as far as the health is like. And I can tell them on the left iris, I can see mommy's inheritance and and physical challenges. And they're like, oh my God, I'm having this issue. I'm having that issue as well. And on the right, I'm seeing daddy's inheritance. So it's fascinating because we're able to see genetic tendencies and also things that are happening within the body. We can see that even before they start feeling it because that's what this is all about. We want to prevent disease, right? That's what this realm is, uh, preventive medicine and for you know, for conventional medicine, and I detail the difference also in a chapter in my book, um, I believe that both realms need to exist. So that's something that I do want everyone to understand, conventional medicine, allopathic, and of course, alternative natural medicine. I believe that both realms need to exist. Uh, You know, the fact that we can operate on a fetus while it's still in the womb needs to exist in today's world. It just must. However, what we look at it as is that Although conventional medicine needs to exist, um, it is considered tragic medicine. God forbid we leave this studio. God forbid we get into a car accident. God forbid, take me to the hospital. Yes, do what you have to to put me back together. It's considered tragic medicine. Mm. It does not heal, cure, or prevent disease. So that's where I feel that we really need to integrate and have both that must exist. And, And opening up to love, we can also prevent disease because good emotions loving emotions how many miracles haven't we seen of people getting hugs and 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 who are lonely and that are now surrounded by people who are loving and caring help them to better health you know you know this is an interesting area that you're starting to broach into about how um you know part of your bio is um dr says a contributor to the health freedom fund and advocates for the freedom of professionals to practice Natural medicine in the U.S. and those who have the freedom to choose the modality of healing, this modality of healing, as a natural medicine, as a, as a mean to achieve healing. That's really interesting to think about um, kind of the professions and, 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 and talking a little bit about the history and how, you know, so many people now have gotten to the perspective of, um, you know, it's either this or that, you know, and as you seem to be hinting at in this last comment, um, but rather to understand that, Naturalistic and holistic medicine has a different purpose and different function that we can coexist. And if you talk a little bit about kind of the, the profession as a whole mm-hmm. and uh, what's your understanding of the kind of dynamics of the cultural landscape of reception and, and how pe- people come to maybe questioning or, or how you're able to address those um, questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I can tell you that the majority of the patients that I receive Obviously, pretty much everyone is, is going to, you know, their uh, primary care practitioner and so on, uh, primary care yeah. physician. And I get the the ones that have been through that mm. already, you know, where, whether I'm treating a patient with uh, cancer of the lungs or so on. They've, they've been through those routes. They've considered those routes, maybe even tried chemotherapy, maybe even tried, um, you know, radiation. And... I am the second resort, and they're looking for help. They're looking for an alternative way of healing because the other realm maybe didn't work at that point. 
um, also. Some people are becoming very awakened now, you at a as a spiritual man. I know that you've probably noticed and felt the energy about how people are really becoming more awakened to what's happening in their bodies. We're seeing waves of veganism and so on and so forth and vegetarianism, which is what you know we, we practice in, in Taoism as well and, and Buddhism. So um, people are becoming more aware of preventing disease today. I've seen it more. I've been in practice going on 24 years, and I'm seeing more of that in the last 18 than ever before. So um, they're opening up to also understanding uh, how being loving and practicing self-love. I get patients that actually come in, I need to practice more self-love, self-love, Dr. J, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I know that that's part of my problem. They're actually admitting that, things that I'm shocked to hear and absolutely love to, to hear people opening up to that lately. So most definitely um, it, it needs to be considered that, yes, the other realm needs to exist, but they're opening up to that and understanding that there's a big difference. But they're looking at more disease prevention. Mm. That's where uh, this realm of medicine, whether it's naturopathy, holistic medicine, Chinese medicine, which I also very much focus on as well. Um, but the other, uh, for tragedies, tragic medicine it's something detrimental they can also be combined i work along with a lot of my colleagues in conventional medicine as well mm. with my patients where they uh, as a respect aspect um they i can't tell my patient to stop taking whatever maybe medication they've been given although many come to me saying i need to get off of this high blood pressure medication and this cholesterol and this and this and that i'm taking five medications i want to come off of them many of them come with that desire in mind as well and i will help you yes now after i have them on treatment for some time it's up to them to decide if how they want to start weaning off but just like i can't tell them to come off of their meds their conventional doctor can't tell them to stop taking the herbs or the natural therapies that i recommend so that respect mm. is there understood yeah. um, but, and, but we can combine both if needed if needed yes yeah it seems to me also what i'm hearing is that you know we have to set a strong intention that, you know, and, and, and that's kind of the key to it, that <coughs> everything in our everything in our body, everything in our reality is set based on what we can imagine and, and, and expanding that imagination to thinking bigger, thinking that we can be in lo loving relationships, we can be, have love in our life and, and try to create that reality so then it, it's really a foundation in the body. I mean, it's, you know, so many of us uh, go through day to day just going, you know, like in the same way that they say living paycheck to paycheck. You know, we're living day to day. We're not thinking broadly or, or expanding our horizons, thinking about preventively how we can really, um, and I struggle with that too. I mean, we all struggle with that, you know, and how to think uh, the long term, you know, thinking in terms of, you know, um, what's sustainable, you know? Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? And uh, as we start to, as sort of last few minutes, the last 10 minutes or so, uh, thinking about uh, how we can broaden the scope, which you started to, Get into we can broaden the scope of our vision for ourselves and and our and our communities yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i feel that we all really have around us a file that lets us know where we need to prevent yeah. literally what i've said and time and time again in many of my interviews is look around you in your world in your realm at your grandparents at your parents aunts uncles older brothers and sisters, ask about your great-grandparents and so on. Ask about the health challenges that they had issues with because sadly, genetics is a bummer. However, 
and this is my phrase, genetics is a bummer. However, (laughs) we are never doomed, never doomed to suffer the health challenges of our family members. We can prevent disease and the body knows how to heal itself. Mm. We just have to feed it what it is missing to do so. So you, you don't really need, per se, to get tons of work done and all of this stuff. If you're looking around you and you're seeing that mom and dad are on diabetes and high blood pressure medication, and my grandmother, all of, everyone on my mother's side had, for example, cancer of some way, shape, or form, and everybody on my dad's side has cholesterol or diabetes and so on and so forth, you can see that, then you know what to do. Maybe eating pork every day is not what you should be doing. <laughs> Maybe eating fried foods is something you should not be doing. Maybe eating sweets and candies and sugars and all, you know, we, we need to open up our minds and we know what common sense. I just, let's, let's be real. <laughs> we know common sense wise what is bad for us. We've seen enough documentaries, shows and so on. A good tip is if it has a commercial, don't eat it. <laughs> you know i saw that the other day on uh we were looking my staff and i on instagram and we came across that one it's true if it has a tv commercial don't eat it (laughs) there's a problem there right you'll find that all that good stuff that's in natural health markets and no one's paying me to say this but yes we're talking about whole foods trader joe's all those great places look at the little you know mom and pop farm shops that maybe open up in your town once a week that bring their stuff up from their farms go there get Mm. those things and and let's open up our minds to knowing really what's good for us excellent excellent thank you so much so important to like you know i mean it seems kind of like there's a resistance to some people you know um, you know, doing this, this, and that. But at the same time, you know, like, um, we're being, we're being kind of susceptible to, as you're saying, these commercials and this, and this kind of culture of destructive uh, tendencies. And we're not even realizing because it's, it's so smoothly Hollywoodized or romanticized that, you know, and it's, it's such a smooth transition when we think about the, 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 um, the way in which the media machine has like made, the uh, you know kind of destructive elements into like this romanticization and now uh, and to be able to switch over and think no I want to you know be the go that that road less traveled and try to go towards health go towards um, you know well being go towards happiness go towards joy and ironically you know people who go down the destructive path are looking for that as well and you know I find even my own tendency is you know you crave happiness and joy but that craving for you know, and a quick fix, you know, is 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 easy to fall into. He's susceptible to fall into. And we have to constantly sit with that and constantly re-examine how we can get ourselves out of these bad habits. I mean, I have a nicotine addiction, and it's really difficult for me to, you know, sit with that and say, you know, okay, I, I do want to overcome it, but, you know, it's easy to come up with easy answers and such and be able to uh, sit with that and really examine how can I find a pathway towards health and well-being, yeah. So any motivational tips you have towards generating that inspiration? Yeah. Yes, I will help you with that. Yeah, thank you, thank if you. that's your desire, yeah, because you. that's one thing about the, the beauty of natural medicine. If the person really, truly wants to let go yeah. of a certain bad habit, then they'll be able to. And yeah. I will do everything in my power always to help them be well and they achieve it, which is a blessing. Yeah. So I'll help you with that if you'd like. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, one other, yeah. and I'd love to end with this because I know we're, yeah. we're almost out of almost time. Almost out of time, yeah. Um, 
is let's look at this from the spiritual aspect and we're talking about love, right? This yeah. is the show. What is love? So when we look at it from the teachings of Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, and Taoist practices, as and these are the spiritual practices that um, I've been practicing for many years as well. Let's look at, for example, the ingestion of meat. Mm. When you And these are what the spiritual teachings show us. When you ingest meat, for example, you are also ingesting the fear that that animal suffered in the moment of their slaughter. You're ingesting the terror and despair mm. if they even went through a slow death. Mm. You are ingesting that as well. Mm. And in truth, how can you feed your body life and love when you feed it death? Yeah. Mm. So true. I mean, people, it's easy to dismiss it, but all these emotions are really encoded within the body. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that, um, you know, we, we have to find a place and a time that we'd be able to come to that realization and really understand that, that this is the fundamental nature of reality, you know, mm -hmm. that the, the mind and the, and the, and the um, matter are inseparable, you know, and that all the, all the encoding we have in this, in this reality is basically based in the, in the, in the matter that we're, you know, in the physical being that expresses it. Yeah. Yes, Very excellent, excellent. Agreed. So you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, the show is What is Love? Um, normally hosted by Sasha Sugar. Uh, she's away on retreat, I believe. And uh, I'm BJR Nathan. I usually host the Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Every Monday at 8 a.m. we air live. Uh, we rebroadcast on Thursdays at 9 a.m. So in case you were listening to the program before the show, um, that's our rebroadcast time, actually, Thursday at 9 a.m. But uh, Monday at 8 a.m., we, we go live. Um, Ready for Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. Uh, we, rely primarily on we rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So to help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent helps us to continue to stay on air. So please support independent community radio or media by pledging whatever you can afford. All con contributions are tax deductible to the full extent of the law. Again, that's readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate. Uh, I've mentioned this in my show, and, and, and I'm sure they've mentioned it here too, but Ready for Brooklyn is proud to announce that they'll be launching an after-school program for local teenagers in 2019 to learn media literacy uh, through media making using a hands-on approach guided by local professionals. If you'd be interested in participating or donating to this program, please go to readyforbrooklyn.org slash after school. And once again, all donations are tax deductible. If you're listening on your computer, you can free yourself up by uh, going to our mobile apps, readyforbrooklyn.org slash iPhone or slash Android. Um, and also sign up for our newsletter at readyforbrooklyn.org slash newsletter. So thank you so much, Dr. Julissa. And uh, if you want to direct people to your website uh, or your Instagram or anything like that, or any kind of, where they get a hub, they can find out about all these things, yeah. It was an honor to be here with you, VJ, and Thank to all you. of you, the Radio Free Brooklyn family listening out there. Um, it was a humbling honor to be here. You can all find my information at drjulisa.com. That's D-R-J-U-L-I-S-S-A.com. Uh, same handle for Instagram and Twitter, D-R-J-U-L-I-S-S-A. Uh, and uh, my Facebook pages as well, Dr. Julissa and Julissa Hernandez, MD. And uh, I'm excited to, to have been here. Thank you.
Thank, Thank you, you so much. So <laughs> once again, we listened to um, uh, Poor by Kaylin Lister in the beginning of the show. Now I'll be listening to, uh, just to go out with a song, uh, Amor Natural by Nidaka Soltello. Yeah. So uh, we'll be listening to that. It's a Spanish song, but uh, you can find out more on iTunes or uh, about this song. So please uh, enjoy as we go out. Thank you. Yeah. 